Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult. This is a podcast where me, Aoife, and my co-host Kira discuss young adult fiction from our time as young adults and also like the present and the future because as the title says, we are forever young adults. Indeed. Yeah, Kira, why don't you start us off? I'm going to start us off. Today we're doing The Outsiders by Essie Hinton. I think it's pronounced Hinton. She is real cool. But first, I got to tell you, I was at the gym this morning (laughs) and I am exhausted. (laughs) I flew in from Chicago last night and my arms, let me tell you. That's a lie. But I was at the gym. It's 2019. I'm doing a whole new thing where I go to the gym. Um, So if I get everything wrong, please let me know, but nicely. Okay. Because you're tired? Because I'm tired. Okay. So possibly this is a book. Possibly this is a book. We're going to say maybe. <laughs> this um, is definitely a book. Definitely it's a re- book podcast and we are reviewing a book. Called S.E. No. <laughs> Diva. Written by S.E. Hinton. Hinton. And it is called... The Outsiders. And, and it, it was, was published in? It was published in 1967. And the author, Essie Hinton, um, was actually 15 when she started writing this. And then it was published. She finished it when she was 17 and it was published when she was 18. So we got a prodigy on our hands here, mm-hmm. right? And, oh my God, it is one of... I was looking it up. It's... One of the American Library's 100 most challenged books. What does that mean? It means that people don't want it in schools in America. Oh, it's like on banned book lists? It's on banned book lists because there's gang violence, underage drinking, underage smoking, sex, Mm -hmm. um, and then family dysfunction and just like a lot of antisocial behavior going on and parents don't like it when their kids read about the facts of life you know like yeah I mean we know this and I think that we have now started a podcast on on young adult fiction that's going to come up again and again but I think maybe a point to make now on this our first ever episode hello you're tuning into our first ever episode why are we starting with this book because it is kind of the first YA novel. It was marketed to young people from the beginning, predominantly because the author was very young, but also the main character is 14 and the other characters vary in age all in their teens until you get to Dari, who is 20. And that's really, there's not a lot of adults in this book. It's really just... By teens, 14s. By teens, 14s. Woo! Peace. Uh, you're the one discussing the book. Um, again, sorry, the premise of this podcast is that we're going to take turns reading books and describing them to the other person. Um, I'm sorry, we had a whole bit about like why we were doing this and I forgot to do it. Okay. Um, so like I said, Kira's the one who read, read the book this week and tell me about it. So the novel starts and is narrated the whole way through by Ponyboy. Birth name? Birth name. There is some there's some interesting names in this book and some of them are birth names and some of them are nicknames, but honestly you can't tell. They're yeah. just great names. Um so Ponyboy is our narrator and he is 14 and he's the youngest in his gang. Mm-hmm. Um and also there within the novel there is kind of three main gangs. So you've got Ponyboy, who is a greaser, um, and he and his gang are kind of 
working class, trying to get on with it, but not doing great. And then you've got the socials, who are called socks for short, um, and they're all upper class. They get everything handed to them as far as the greases are concerned. They're out partying and they're doing the same stuff as the greasers are doing, but because they're well dressed and come from nice families, they don't get in the same trouble that the socks are that the greasers are in. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the people that Pony Boy calls the hoods, and he sees them as real criminals. So he isn't a real criminal, he's just a greaser. Yeah. So he sees them as a step below him again. Okay. Um and then there really isn't much representation of the middle class in this, though I suppose the socks would the socks in reality would be middle class, but they're not see- understood but they're as seen understood as that. They're seen as as upper kind of. Okay. Doing very well, having a nice life. I was actually going to say, and this this just dovetails nicely into a question I knew I was going to have to ask about this book. What is the reliability of Pony Boy as a narrator? Uh, Pony Boy is fairly good because he is, for the most part, for the most part, he is just telling us exactly what's happening to him from his point of view. Now that does mean that at various points he doesn't see where other people are coming from. And you find this a lot with his relationship with his brother, Dari. Because Dari is just really trying to look out for Pony. And Pony is like, why is my brother shouting at me all the time? And Dari is a 20-year-old. And Dari is the 20-year-old who is also... I'm going to go into the characters in a minute. But Dari is 20 years old. And he is kind of the parent of the group and the leader of the gang. Oh, I didn't realize that we were dealing with like... I, I kind when you said that it was a teen novel, I kind of thought that like even though there was gang involvement, it was likely that they were gonna be grunts, kind of. But you're saying there's people here who are kind of high up in the social structure they created here. No. Okay. So it's a gang in the sense that these are eight to ten people who have each other's backs, not that they are a gang that is like running criminality. So they're like between they are less of a gang and more of a more of a very tight knit group okay. of friends. Cause I yeah, so like okay, I guess the word gang kind of misled it to me because I was thinking more along the lines of like gangs that exist. But I should be thinking something between gangs, as we would call gangs, which I finding it difficult to like encapsulate, <laughs> but have a lot of social history and a defined structure. So something between that and like when I was a teenager, me, my siblings, and the other kids who lived on our street called ourselves the Church Street Gang. <laughs> like, like, please tell me you lived on Church Street. Yes. Okay. Otherwise, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> we were just very devout <laughs> and like made up handshakes, but we're twelve. So it's between those two. Ends. Okay. Yeah. So they are a gang in the sense that. They do do criminality, but they mostly do it. It's unorganized. It's not an it's not an organized gang. Two bit is really good at stealing. It's just really good at thievery, like shoplifting and hubcaps. Um, Dali is the hardest of them. He has lived without parental supervision for quite a while. He's eighteen in the novel and has already spent at least a year in prison and three years on the streets of New York before returning to Oklahoma, where this novel is set. Okay. Um, so he's the hardest of the boys. 
can we get more into the characters then? Yes, let's do the characters. So as I said, our narrator is Ponyboy. He's 14. And then we have his older brother, Soda Pop or Soda, who is 16. And he has dropped out of school in order to help fund the family. The family being Ponyboy, Soda Pop and Dari. And he works in the gas station full time. Where's their parents? Their parents are dead. Their parents died an unspecific, but within a year previous to the previous to the beginning of this novel. Okay. Um, and their so their family unit is being headed up by Daryl or Darry, who is twenty and has taken over the responsibility of their family unit and is kind of having a hard time with it because he's a twenty year old and also was very very promising academically and very promising sport career in both track and football, which he has given up in order to support his two brothers so that they don't have to go to homes. That's sad. It is sad. Um, and so this is, um, we said this was like one of the first young adult novels. Yeah. Um, and it, coming it, in hot, it's hard. We're coming in hot on Kira's favorite themes, which are issue novels. <laughs> Not to dismiss the fact that these are real things that happen to real people. And in fact, this seems like a complex narrative. Not what we would think of as an issue novel, possibly. But yeah. Mm. Tough. Tough old life. Yeah, there's a number of issues here. Like, there's there's Ponyboy not wanting to seem weak and wanting to be manly. Um, and that kind of affects the group as a whole. There's There's them grieving for both his parents and later in the novel, friends. People die. Spoilers. Um, And there's also just like drug use, underage drinking, smoking. Um, Ponyboy isn't, but other characters are having sex in this novel, which Ponyboy finds quite embarrassing, really, because he's a 14-year-old child. Wait, he finds it embarrassing that he isn't having sex, or he finds it embarrassing that other people are having sex? That other people are having sex. Every time it comes up that someone is having sex, he is like, I don't want to know about this. And his ears go red, and other characters comment on it. Oh, he's a baby. Yeah, he's 14. (laughs) I want to keep him safe from this terrible world you've described him living in. So so those three are the main characters that we have. And we also have Johnny, who is Ponyboy's best friend, and he's 16. So there's an age gap of two years between Ponyboy, who is the youngest, and the next youngest, who is, who is Johnny at 16. And so Johnny has come from an abusive family. His father is physically abusive and his mother is verbally abusive. And so he spends quite a lot of time not at home on purpose. Quick, quick question. Is this acknowledged as abuse in the yes. book? Yes. Okay. Um, and uh, he's kind of considered like the pet of the group where everyone is like, Johnny just really needs this and we really need Johnny. They are constantly trying to be like, we love and support you without saying the words we love and support you. Because um, they're teenage because boys. Because they're teenage boys. Yeah. But they do... They do tell him, listen, forget about your parents. You don't need them. You have us. We've got you. Like, we will be your, we are your family. Mm -hmm. Not even we will be your family. We are your family. And Dari in, Dali in, in. Okay, wait, Dari and Dali. Yeah, there's a Dari and a Dali. Okay, who's Dali? So Dali is Dallas 
and he is he's 17 18 in the book and he is the roughest of the boys because i've talked about him already no yes you did say yes. dali has been in prison he's been on the streets of New yeah York. um and he, yeah so he is the roughest of the boys and he's kind of pony boy regards him as cold mm-hmm. it's kind of like he's cold and he's steel he's just there's a lot of like steel metaphors when it comes to describing Dali because he's he's rock hard you know okay rock hard <laughs> like <laughs> like a 14 year old thinks 18 year olds are. like a 14 year old thinks 18 year olds are okay um these are all kind of our protagonist characters I feel you mm-hmm. described gangs earlier which makes me want to ask do we have human antagonists here is this a man versus man narrative is it man versus self we do so the so the the socks are kind of the rival gang and in the socks we've got bob sheldon who is that's not a very gang name well he's <laughs> he's, he's a, a social like he's yeah. a posh boy you know yeah. um and he's kind of a jock from the well-to-do school and he's got money and he's running around in nice cars and just kind of flashing us right and then you've got his girlfriend cherry who goes to the same school as pony boy but is is much better off and also has a flashy car um and then you got randy who is the best friend of bob and those are there's a couple of others but those are the the big ones those are the main socks we get to those are the main socks do we get the impression that the socks are any more organized or developed as a gang than the greasers are? Or no, for, so for the most part, they are all doing the same activities. They're all doing petty crimes. They're under underage drinking. They're shoplifting a bit. Um, antisocial behavior on the streets, and then they get together and they have a bit of a rough and tumble, and that's kind of how it goes. Okay. Um. So this is a hobby. It's nearly a hobby. So for the socials, it's definitely a hobby. They okay. expect that when they when they leave high school and they head to college, they'll grow out of it and they'll be real adults with nice jobs. Yeah. And then their kids will cause antisocial behavior. It's just kids being kids. Mm-hmm. With the greasers, it feels more like they are trapped. They're trapped in a cycle where they're going to keep shoplifting until they go to prison. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe between a hobby and like a sort of way, a group therapy (laughs) or group self-harm, you know, where they're processing their trauma together by causing crimes. A lot of trauma going on with these kids. Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, I don't want to like derail, but you also mentioned the third gang. So there's a third gang, um, and we don't really get into them. They're okay. they're kind of like another, they're another greaser gang, but a bit more organized in the crime. Okay. Um, and just harder. They're mm-hmm. harder boys. Um, so you've got Tim Shepard. Um, his younger brother is mentioned. His his younger brother is Tim Shepard. Would be 1920. Um, his younger brother Curly is about the same age as Pony Boy, a little older. And he's mentioned as going, having just gone back into juvenile. Okay. Having been in there already. Oh. Because, so, so the, the activities that the Shepherd Boys are in is a bit, bit tougher. Mm-hmm. And they're not staying out of trouble the same way. Okay. Cool. So that's kind of all of our characters. 
So I'm going to take you through the plot now. Yeah, let's Because we've been talking for a while and haven't done the plot of this novel. Let's make them puppets dance. So we start the book with Ponyboy, and he's just after leaving the cinema, which he calls the, the movie theater because it's 1967. And he is walking home alone, which he acknowledges in the text is not good. He and he himself acknowledges that he had a number of options. He could have waited to go to the cinema till later when his, some of his friends could have gone with him. He could have called his brother for a lift. He could have called Dali for a lift. Um, he could have done a number of other things, but because he has a preference for going to the cinema alone, because he feels that no one else appreciates appreciates the art the way that he does, because, I love a pretentious teen. Oh, pretentious teen. No one else appreciates the art the way that he does, mostly because the other people have become more cynical than him. They've got more life happening, and they're just more cynical. And as he's walking home alone, he tells us about Johnny, his friend Johnny. He tells us about his family, and he tells us about his friend Johnny, and about how Johnny got jumped by the group of socks about two months previously and how Johnny hasn't been the same since. He's been very jumpy, very, very on edge. He started carrying around a knife. So Johnny is just like not doing well. And as he is thinking about how Johnny got jumped recently. He gets jumped. He gets jumped. Oh my God. How did I see that one come? Oh, the parallels. Now it's not that bad. Bob and Bob's friend, Randy kind of get on him. But before any real damage is done, his his own gang show up and scare them off. Are there territories in this? Was he walking through their territory? There is territories and they were in his. Oh, okay. Yeah. And here we meet Dali, we meet Johnny, we meet Tubis, who who is another friend of theirs. He's kind of wisecracking. He brings a lot of comedy to it. Mm-hmm. And we meet Soda Pop and we kind of see the dynamic for the first time between between Ponyboy, Soda and Dari, where Ponyboy and Dari are really niggling at each other all of the time. Mm -hmm. They're just coming from two different perspectives and neither of them are seeing the others. And then Soda Pop jumps between them trying to ease the tension. Okay. So Dari gives Pony a hard time for walking home on his own, which Ponyboy has already acknowledged to the reader that was a bad idea. So he knew it was a bad idea and he did it anyway um, because he wasn't thinking it through, really. Yeah. Which is Dari's point. Dari is like, think these things through, boy. Mm-hmm. So they get into it. And after the group kind of breaks up, Johnny, Dali, and Ponyboy decide to go to the drive-in movie theater. To see but, no, but no one appreciates cinema like him. Well, they're going to pick up girls. Okay. Okay. Because they don't appreciate cinema. They don't appreciate cinema. They're kind of going to pick up girls. And when they're there, they kind of have a flirt with these two sock girls. Oh, so there are girls in these gangs. There's, they're girls in that they are dating the boys. Ah, okay. So they're girlfriends of gang. Yeah. Um, Gang friends. Gang friends. So the two girls that they meet is Cherry, who is the girlfriend of Bob, and her friend Marsha. And... Dali kind of has a flirt with both of them and Ponyboy gets talking to Cherry afterwards and he's kind of like, oh my God, this girl is a person? In that up until now, he has really seen socks as just 
the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and having talked to one per- properly, he's kind of like, oh, they are also humans with feelings like me. Weird. And so they kind of have this a bit of a flirt and Cherry's boyfriend, Bob, comes along and is like, yo, don't be talking to my to to our girls. Mm-hmm. Like, this is Ireland. This is our territory. These girls are ours. Get your own. Mm. He's a bit nicer about it, but that's the... Is he any less patriarchal about it? That pause says no. That pause says I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> so he's like... So he's is he more towards this is my woman back off or is he more towards please respect the autonomy of these girls who only want to date people in the same gang as them? He's mostly like stick to your own social class. Okay, cool. Don't be dating up. Okay, no social climbing for these boys. No social, not as far as Bob's concerned. So after this, Pony Boy and Johnny walk home and they walk the rest of the way home after running into to Bob and kind of getting into it with him a bit verbally and then going home. Um, but Johnny and Ponyboy don't go straight home. They just kind of wander around and there's an empty lot near their house and they're sitting there and they're just talking, shooting the breeze and they fall asleep. They fall asleep? Yes. Outside? In the open air. What time is it? Um... So they've been to they've been to the the drive-in, so it's around nine. So at any rate, Ponyboy wakes up after having these chats with with Johnny, realizes what time it is, and is like, Johnny, we gotta wake up. And Johnny goes, I'm gonna stay here because honestly, it's better than going home. Mm-hmm. And Ponyboy's like, come home with me, and he's like, Nah, I'm good. Don't wanna be stepping on your your vibe, kind of. And Ponyboy gets home to find Dari is enraged yeah. with him for being so late home. And Dari's like, we were so worried about you. We were so worried about you. You me literally Soda, got jumped today. Me and Soda were so worried about you. And we couldn't call the police because we didn't know if you were in trouble or if you were missing or if you'd been jumped. And if nothing was wrong, maybe the police would take you away because... I'm a 20-year-old trying to care for two younger brothers and the system wants you to go to a home and I had to fight to keep you as it is and like I'm doing my best and he gets really upset with Ponyboy and Ponyboy doesn't really acknowledge what's happened. He's like, I'm sorry. And Daryl's like, dude, you're not even wearing a jacket. It's 2 a.m. when you get home. Like you're not wearing a jacket. You fell asleep in the loss. What were you thinking? Come on, you're smarter than this. You are the academic hope for this family. Um, and Pony is just like, dude, get off my back. Why are you being such a narc about this, essentially? And Dari slaps him. Ooh, that sounds bad. And immediately, Dari is like, I've messed up and this is bad. Mm-hmm. Good, good to but get that acknowledged. Good to get that acknowledged. But Pony Boy is out of there. Okay, so Pony Boy runs out, still doesn't have a jacket, and he meets up with da- with Johnny in the lot, and he's like, "Come on, we're running away." Darry slapped me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care about me. And your parents are terrible. So let's just run away. And kind of within like thirty minutes to an hour, they've been walking. So they go for a walk around the park, and kind of almost immediately, 
almost immediately Pony Boy is like, this is a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. It is a terrible idea for us to run away, but I can't go home straight right now. I need to cool off. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so angry with Dari. I can't believe he treated me this way. Our parents are dead and he hates me. So, and he essentially decides he will go home because it's his home too. And even if Dari never talks to him again, he'll still, he can't actually kick him out because it's his house and Soda Pop will stand up for him. Okay. So they're walking around the park, just cooling off, shooting the breeze again. And Johnny does point out that like his parents don't care for him at all and he says he says something along the lines of at least when his dad is hitting him he's acknowledging his existence because he's also after staying out all night and nobody has noticed mm-hmm. and he does this regularly he regularly sleeps on on pony boy's couch like in their house and he sleeps at other people's house and he sleeps in the lot like the empty lot near their houses and his parents don't care so he's like, Dari does care. And this kind of calms Pony down, Boy down as well. So on their return to the house, they end up meeting with some of the socks who are out of their territory. And it's like four in the morning at this point. Yeah, it's like three, four in the morning and they are drunk. And they're looking for trouble because because the greasers were flirting with their girls earlier. Yeah. So they have a, they have a bit of back and forth and Pony Boy spits at them. And do that. Yeah, the socks are having a go at the greasers for having greasy hair and for just being dirty. Is that where their name comes from? I think it is. Oh my god, kids, get some <laughs> shampoo. Be called the smell good gang. <laughs> they they have long hair which they grease back, and it is a big part of their identity. It comes in later. Okay. Um, so Bob is having a go with a pony about his hair and pony boy is real proud of his hair. So he's not letting that stand and he spits at them. So Bob and Randy grab pony boy and they pro hold him down in a fountain. Oh, like face down, like to drown him. Face down to drown him. And pony boy is initially like, it's cool. Like, this is bad. This is bad, but it's cool. They'll let me up. Like, this won't go too far. And then he's like, this is going too far and I am drowning. And then all of a sudden, he he kind of, kind of, Ponyboy passes out a lot in this novel. Okay, and which he, is interesting for a stream of consciousness first person narrator. <laughs> it is. Um, and he kind of, he kind of blacks out and then he wakes up on his back on the pavement beside the fountain. And Johnny is sitting next to him looking ill because Johnny has stabbed Bob. Okay. And Bob is dead. And Bob is gone? Is Bob there? Do we have a body? There is a, a body, body and there is a lot of blood. So were there multiple, sorry, I, were there multiple socks? Yes, okay. there was four or five socks. And he and stabbed Bob. So Bob has been stabbed and all this other socks have, have legged us. Nice they, job. They haven't stuck around to try like staunch that bleeding. They've just legged us. So Johnny has Stabbed and killed Bob. Pony Boy is soaking wet from being in the fountain. Mm-hmm. And the two boys have a bit of a freak out. And then Johnny comes to the decision that they will go to Dally. Because Dally is hard and knows what to do in situations like this. Mm-hmm. So they get themselves together and they go to Dally. And Dally says, You've done fucked. <laughs> Yeah, you've done you messed up. A man. You've done messed up, Mama. But we're gonna 
we're going to do what we can for you because you're our boys, essentially. Which is nice for Johnny, who has no other family. Yeah. So Dally gives them some money and a loaded gun, and he tells them where to go. What is the gun for? I don't like this. (laughs) Yeah, there is a a loaded gun. And he gives them directions to an abandoned church in the town over and tells them how to get there. So the two boys head off and they get to the abandoned church and they basically just pass out because they have had some time of it. Yeah, it is the same day. It's the same day. It's the same day. It's the same day as Ponyboy got jumped. Yeah, no, so, it's the same day as the book began. Yeah. What percentage of the way through the book are we at this point? We're about a third of the way through. Okay, let's go. Maybe maybe hitting half. And at that point, so they, they hole up in this church for five days. They have a big cry fest at the start of it where they're, where, where Ponyboy is also reflecting that just yesterday everything was fine. And Johnny's like, don't go through yesterday. I killed a man yesterday. Like, we don't need to go through this all. Um, They're both having a hard time with it. They both have a lot of tears. And then they decide that they, they're kind of like, we've cried it out. We're good. We're gonna, we're gonna man up now. And we're just gonna see our way through this. We're gonna stop having feelings and it's going to be fine. Yes. Early the first day, Johnny goes out. He buys them a load of food. He also buys them a copy of Gone with the Wind and and some hair dye for Pony. Well, he gets bleach for Pony. So the two of them cut their hair. And this is this is a big deal. Because Greaser is part of their identity. They're greased back a long hair. Massive part of their identity. And honestly, the scene where they cut their hair alone takes like three pages. Because it's just such a thing. So Ponyboy describes his hair as, it was my pride. It was long and silky, just like sodas, only a little redder. Our hair was tough. We didn't, ha- didn't have to use much grease in us. Our hair labeled us greasers too. It was our trademark. The only thing we were proud of. So he's kind of like- part of group identity. Yeah. Hair. So he's like, the rich kids have, all the- have their cars and they've got nice clothes, but we've got our hair. So it's a big deal when he, when the two of them cut their hair. And what is, is it to evade capture? Is it because they're bored? What is the... It's to evade capture because okay. they're like, there's going to be, there's going to be police reports and people looking for us because we killed a man. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like their disguise. And so they hang out in the church, they do their disguises and Ponyboy reads Gone to the Wind with Johnny. Mm-hmm. He just reads it aloud to him in order to starve off boredom mostly and they also smoke an upsetting amount of cigarettes Mm. an upsetting amount and this is one of the iconic scenes within the book is their fourth or fifth day they're standing at the back of the church and they hang out at the back of the church because you can be seen from the road at the front of the church Mm -hmm. and they are looking at the sunrise and johnny describes it and they're kind of discussing it and the beauty of nature. And Johnny says it's gold. And then out of n- kind of nowhere, Ponyboy just recites um, Nothing Gold Can Stay by Robert Frost. A good poem, which a I like poem. very much. And this comes back again later. 
I know an iconic line from this book because <laughs> I grew up in the Western world. So I'm guessing Stay Gold Pony Boy is going to yeah. evoke that scene again. Um, it's an Yes, it is. And it's it's really, Johnny reads the poem as being about innocence and how we grow old and nothing innocent can last. And so he really, so when he, so Johnny is the person who says, stay gold, stay gold, pony boy, is Johnny's line later in the novel. And he's really asking pony boy not to get hard like everyone else has, to keep some of his, his sweet, innocent childhood in him and not to grow up too fast. Okay. Um, listen, we both knew that I was going to say this, okay, because of who we are as people, but. The thing is that I understand this book was written in the 60s and I understand that it was written about coming of age and therefore definitely not queer themes, but sounds like there's a huge homosocial aspect to this. A little bit homoerotic? No? Okay. I'm just saying. Sounds like romance to me. Sounds like two friends who've killed a person, Eva. I mean, what's the difference, really, when you get down to it? You got blood on your hands. Why not kiss a little? I'm cutting all of them. <laughs> okay, so there's no homoerotic interpretations in this book. I'm prefer. sure there is, but we're not doing it. Okay, cool. These are all straight boys, okay. Yeah, get back on track if you want. Okay, these innocent, beautiful teens, nothing gold can stay. Okay, nothing gold can stay. Like the beautiful beginning of this podcast when you weren't glaring at me like that. <laughs> Let's continue. So Dali comes up. Dali's the only person who knows where they are. And Dali comes up to visit them and kind of lets them know that things down home are bad. Mm-hmm. The greases and the socks have kind of been escalating. There's been a bit of a back and forth between them. Uh, Pony Boy's family, his two brothers, are real worried about where he is because Dali refuses to tell them. And Johnny is kind of heartbroken to learn that his parents have not been looking for him or asking about him at all. Does Johnny have any siblings or other family? No, it's just him and his parents, mom and dad. Okay. And again, at this point, Dali again is like, dude, your parents are terrible. My dad's terrible, but we you don't need them. We've got you. Look, I'm helping you hi, I'm helping you hide from this murder rap. Like you you don't need them. And he brings them to get some food because he decides that their disguise is well enough that they can go to a Dairy Queen and they eat a ton of burgers and milkshakes. Is it more burgers than they've been smoking cigarettes? Nearly as much. Okay. It's I cannot overstate how much smoking Pony Boy does in this novel, and in particular, how much he does in the church. At, later in the book, he is kind of unwell from his time in the church, and also from the, the next thing I'm going to okay. tell you about. But his brother Dari is like, I will kill you if you have more than one pack of cigarettes today. So, like, that's his baseline. Okay. So while they're out having food, Johnny decides that he can't keep running and he decides that he's going to go back and face the charges. Dali kind of tries to talk him out of it. He's like, dude, you're not going to do well in prison. And 
Johnny's like, well, am I going to do well on the roads? Like, my options are pretty limited here. And so in the end, Dali agrees with him that running was the mistake and they should go back to the police. And, and explain the situation, which also, like, and Johnny makes a fair point here. It was a little bit self-defense. Also, um, so at this point, Ponyboy's brothers have no idea where he is still. It's still just Dally. It's still just Dally. Ponyboy's brothers know that Dally knows where he is, and they know that Dally has sorted him. So they're kind of like, it could be worse. Okay. But they don't know where he is. um, Soda has sent with Dally a note basically being like, we're very worried about you, like, come home if you can but we understand we know what's we know the situation kind of and so as they're leaving the restaurant they pass back by the church which is now on fire excuse me the church is on fire did they leave cigarettes on that is the resounding theory the church is on fire and there is also a group of school children who have been picnicking just down the hill from the church and some of those children in the church. Okay, but many of our characters are school children. So are these like younger school children? These are like primary age children. So Baby under children. 10. Okay. Yeah. So Ponyboy and Johnny realize these kids in the back of the church. They acknowledge that it's most likely their fault that the church is on fire. So they run in and they get the kids out through a window. And then they climb through the window themselves. Heroes. Heroes. So they rush into the building and they rescue the children through a window. They throw, they kind of pick the children up, push them out the window. The children bounce a bit and they're fine. Um, and then Pony Boy climbs out the window and Dali pulls him out the other, the rest of the way. And his back is on fire. So Dali like slaps the, the fire off him. And at that point, Pony Boy blacked out from smoke inhalation oh my god that's so like him and he wakes up again in the ambulance where he finds out that a piece of the church roof has fallen on johnny's back and he is in a bad way Mm -hmm. he's not good in this moment when when pony boy is in the hospital after running away from home being an accessory in a murder manslaughter situation Dari and Soda Pop come to visit him and Pony Boy realizes kind of for the first time that Dari cares about him. What? This 20-year-old who's taken custody of his younger siblings after their parents died and like jeopardized his own future to do that? Cares about that? Yeah. And like this is kind of like the quote that he has about it because he's he's just like kind of shocked at the situation and he says in that second what soda and dali and two bit had been trying to tell me came through gary did care about me maybe as much as he cared about soda and because he cared he was trying too hard to make something of me when he yelled pony where have you been all this time he meant pony you scared me to death please be careful because i couldn't stand if anything happened to you job and Dari is also like, oh, Pony, I thought we'd lost you like we did mom and dad. That was his silent fear of losing another person he loved. I remembered how close he and dad had been, and I wondered how I could ever have thought him hard and unfeeling. 
And you're just like, Pony, this boy has given up his future in order to care for you and be your parental figure. And you're just not seeing it. And this is a recurring theme. Or Johnny... Sorry, not Johnny. Ponyboy can't humanize other people. He has a very hard time humanizing other people. And a large part of this is because he is 14 years old. Mm -hmm. But he really does just see himself as the center and everyone else working around him, kind of. Yeah. Do the parents ever get names? The father's name is Daryl. Because Daryl... Daryl is the the junior. (laughs) Okay. So after this hospital visit, Ponyboy actually gets a lot of press because they rescued children from a burning building. Mm-hmm. So himself and Johnny are hailed as heroes. But also they killed a dude. But also they killed a dude. Mm-hmm. The whole fight kind of gets explained to the police and the police are like, we believe it's a manslaughter charge and we will be charging ye as such. But mostly Johnny. Mm-hmm. And the real threat to Ponyboy is that he's going to be taken into care. Mm-hmm. not that he's going to be arrested or put into juvenile but he will be taken from his brothers yeah. and if Ponyboy gets I taken I mean I think John, for Johnny the best case scenario would be care but yeah, yeah. I understand um, yeah so the, the brothers go home and kind of kind of I'm really tired. brothers go home what's um, happening anyone else die not yet <laughs> okay so the brothers go home the whole gang kind of gets together and has a bit of a, a reconnect. It is it is declared that there is going to be a final rumble between the greasers and the socks. And a rumble is just a street fight. Okay. It's a street fight with a fancy name. And it's going to be greaser rules, which means no weapons. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just fisties. And the fight's going to be that night. And in the lead up to the fight, Ponyboy and 2-Bit get approached by one of the socks called Randy who was good friends with Bob, and he's like, listen, I see this fight's going to happen. I don't think it's going to end the feud between us, and I'm not participating. There's been enough. I'm not doing it. And he's like, I'm not a coward. If I thought that this fight would do anything, would lead to a better outcome, then yeah, I would fight. But I think it's just going to lead to more bloodshed. So I'm not participating. And the two boys are kind of like, fair enough, Randy. You do you, essentially. Mm. But we're fighting. Okay. We gotta fight. And they go and visit Johnny in the hospital. And their copy of Gone with the Wind from earlier has been burnt in the fire. And also, you'll be glad to know, the gun was lost in the fire. Oh, I love that. I yes. love that to happen to guns when they're not around anymore. That's what yes. I like. The loaded gun is gone in the fire. I'm glad. <laughs> the loaded gun. Because opposite Chekhov's gun, Dali has been walking around with an unloaded gun, kind of as a bluff because things have been rough the last week. So he's just like, I'm bluffing, but hey, I have a gun. Look what I got here, right? Don't like it either. So they go visit Johnny, and Johnny is in a bad way. Mm-hmm. The nurse doesn't want them to go in because she doesn't think it's going to be helpful. But the doctor is like, there's not much more we can do for him. Let him see his friend. Mm-hmm. Things are bad. And while they're in there, Johnny asks for a new copy of Gone for the Wind. And 2-Bit goes to get it, leaving Ponyboy and Johnny to have like a very little alone time. And in this, and in this moment... Ponyboy tells Johnny about the fight that's going that happened happen that night. And Johnny's like not that happy about it. And in that moment tells Ponyboy to stay gold. Okay, and Johnny is like on his deathbed here now. Yeah, this is kind of dying words. 
These are dying words here. Okay, cool. Um, yes. When Ponyboy and Tubit are leaving, they run into Johnny's mother, who Johnny is refusing to see. Oh, they've noticed he's gone now. They've no now they've that he is he's in hospital. Now that he is interesting. What? Now that he is in hospital because he's a and he's a hero for the fire situation. His mom wants to see him and is very upset and annoyed that the nurse won't let her in because Johnny doesn't want to see her. And good job, nurse, actually. Yes. Good and the job, two nurse. boys, Tubit and and Pony Boy, are also like, you have no right to hit this boy. Like to, to this boy or to hit this boy. You have no right to see this boy. Okay. And she kind of gives up and they leave. And the next big scene is the fight. There's kind of a discussion before the fight as to whether or not Ponyboy should be there because he is, again, a child, age 14. There's a significant gap between him and the other kids. Is he the youngest one in both gangs? Yes. He's been in fights before and he's been in rumbles before, but it is pointed out that he's always kind of been backing Johnny. Like, him and Johnny are both kind of, like, small and scrawny and they can both fight and back each other up, kind of. Mm-hmm. But with, And so without Johnny, he's on his own. But it's decided he will fight and Dari's going to look out for him and Soto's going to look out for him. Part of the fight, he gets kicked in the head. Kicked in the head? Yes. Okay. So it's 20 greasers on 22 socks because they, they pull in the other gangs who are rougher than them. Yeah. And in the fight, Ponyboy is fighting this lad who's bigger than him and... Dari is kind of helping him out, but thrown to the ground and then gets kicked in the head, which leads to a concussion. That will do it. Yep. And he's kind of confused and disorientated for the majority of the rest of the novel. Wait, did he pass out? He passes out! Oh my god, I love my boy! (laughs) He passes out. They go to the hospital again to see Johnny and tell him that they won the fight. And Johnny is like, so does not care about the fight. Is he alive? He is. A, he dies. He dies moments after they arrive to tell him the results. And Dali is broken by his death. And he runs out of the hospital, goes and goes and kind of armed robberies at a convenience store with his unloaded gun and then waves his gun around in front of the police and commits suicide by police. Difficult for a white boy to do. Yeah. Which is witnessed by Pony. Wait, the 14-year-old is there. Yeah, because Dali was supposed to be coming back to their house to lay low after he robbed the convenience store. But the police catch him by the vacant loss. And instead of surrendering, putting down the gun, he waves it around and they kill him. Because they don't know it's unloaded. So yeah. And from here, we kind of just have Ponyboy having a lot of confusion from his concussion and also a lot of just trauma and PTSD from the death of Bob, the hiding out in the church, the rescuing the kids, the death of his best friend, the death of his other very good friends. It's been a fucking week for this kid. It's been a week. Um, he's missed a lot of school. <laughs> and worst of all. And worst of all, he's missed a lot of school. So he kind of is 
in bed for the next the next number of days. And a couple of people drop in, including Randy, who is kind of like, I'm going to go to college and okay. leave all this behind. You do that too, and, baby kiddo? Or? And, well, Randy Randy is one of the socks. Yeah. He was, he was Bob's best friend. Yeah. And he's like, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave all this behind. I've really embarrassed my family. This sounds like an interesting interaction, though, because, like, Randy's best friend is dead due to gang violence and... Ponyboy's best friend is dead due to gang violence. And now they're talking to each other despite being opposite sides of the gang violence bit. Yeah, and it actually really shows the difference in the way the two boys approach it. Where Randy is like, this is what I'm doing right now, but it's not my life. And so, and Ponyboy is like, this is what I have. These, This group of people are all, all I, I have. have. Okay. And Randy tells us, he's like, ah... Oh, I feel real bad that I've embarrassed my family. And he's also like, Bob's family isn't taking it well. And he believes that the reason that Bob went so hard Hmm. is because his parents never gave him any boundaries. Like he came home absolutely plastered drunk on some occasion. And his parents were like, this is our fault for not giving you enough love and affection. And just never set any boundary for him and never said no to him. And Randy kind of prostrates that pony boy is the lucky one in this situation because his brothers do care about him and he has people that actively care about him in this way that's not the first time someone said this in this book yes would you say it was an overall message or theme i would say it was an overall message or theme it's also interesting because it's the exact opposite to the way that johnny's parents misparent him they misparent him by being abusive in a very overt that his mom is verbally abusive his dad is physically abusive they're bastards they are bad parents bob's parents are also bad parents they also don't really see him as a person and they 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 neglect him by giving him too much nearly okay so like he's uh an object for them he is their son he is their thing they yeah. want to control but they their family but, but they, they care do, but they care but they also don't control him they they let him do whatever he wants they never give him any boundaries and that's kind of what randy thinks randy believes that bob was just looking for someone to say no to him was looking for someone to set a clear boundary and then like follow the well, hey Johnny did. (laughs) Clear boundary. Don't drown my friend. Follow through or I'll stab you. Yeah, basically. Yeah, so maybe like he got what he needed. (laughs) You're telling me Um, this isn't a love story? It's not a love story. And following this, they all go to court. That makes sense. I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised at that turn of events, but okay. And there's a number of witnesses as to what happened with Bob's death. There's a number of witnesses about, like, Darry's ability to parent. Um, The doctor talks about how Ponyboy is doing with after his burns from the church and this concussion with from the fight and how he's doing more generally. My baby, baby boy. Is he 15 at this point? He's still 14. All of this kind of happens within a month. That's a very quick court date. The court is very quick. And the judge dismisses the charges against Ponyboy and allows them to go home, the three boys, yeah, on the condition that they stay out of trouble. Yeah. So Ponyboy returns to schools, 
But due to his concussion, he is having a really hard time at school. Um, and he used to be very, very good. Yeah. He's very good. He's now having a real hard time with everything, partly because he missed a lot of class and partly because he's having such a hard time focusing and he often gets disorientated. And everything tastes like bologna. What was concussion care like back in the day, back in 1967? It seems to be stay in bed and don't stress yourself. Okay. I don't... Mm. I'm not sure if that is ideally the best treatment, but hey, he's still got neuroplasticity on his side. So Ponyboy's not doing great. His English teacher sits him down and is like, you were a good student. You've had a lot going on recently. And so given your circumstances, I'm going to ask you to write an essay for me on any topic you want. It has to be at least five pages. Okay. So Ponyboy goes home and gets into it with Dari over this essay because he's having such a hard time focusing and writing it Mm -hmm. and Dari's like dude you gotta write this or you're gonna fail English and you need to go to college or I my self-concept is destroyed essentially and at this point Soda loses it Soda Pop is like you two are always putting me in the middle and I need you to get it together because my girlfriend has gone to Florida because she is pregnant and I didn't have sex with her. Okay, is this the first we've heard of this subplot? No, this came up before the fight, but I forgot to tell you. Okay, okay. So before the fight, we learned that Soda's girlfriend has gone to Florida because of a pregnancy. Is she going to procure an abortion or is no, she she's going to have go a baby? live with her grandparents in Florida? Okay. And Soda wanted to marry her, and her parents were like, no, we're sending her to Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, that the day that he blows up that the essay has been assigned he has gotten a letter he sent sent to her returned unopened so he's kind of on edge yeah and at this moment our boy pony who keeps needing to learn the same lesson over and over realizes that soda pop is a complex person with needs and desires outside of his being to be fair it is kind of hard to realize that with someone called soda pop like, you're starting on the back foot there. Starting on the back foot there. And he's like, oh, Soda Pop's always happy-go-lucky. And he's like, no, he really loves this girl who apparently didn't love him back because she was having sex with someone else. Even though it was with someone else, he was like, we can make this work. We can be a family, you, me, and the baby. But she went to Florida instead. And now his brothers are fighting all the time. And he has to be caught in the middle and pulled between them in their arguments. At the top. So- the tough fucking road for soda pop. Yeah, so the three boys agree to do better, and Ponyboy goes home and finds the second copy of Gone in the Wind, in which there is a letter from Johnny who iterates that he knows that he's dying and he wants Ponyboy to take care of Dally, who is now dead by police, and to tell him that it's all okay and that he's glad he went into the fire after those kids and it was worth dying for. And Ponyboy now gets it together enough in that moment to be like, I know what I'm going to write my essay on, which he starts with the words, when I stepped out into the bright sunlight from the darkness of the movie house, I had only two things on my mind, Paul Newman and a ride home, which is significant because those are the opening lines of the novel, which means that the entire book is the essay that Ponyboy writes for his final English grade. Is that also the last line of the book? It is also the last line of the I book. love that so much. God, maybe I'll read this book. <laughs> maybe. So, yeah, that was the book Outsiders. And, yeah, 
Thank you for listening to our podcast. Okay, no, but I, I might have stuff to say, Kira. Do you have stuff to say? I want to know how you felt about your experience of reading this book. Um, so I had read it before. Mm-hmm. I had read it before when I was much younger and it held up. It held up. I had, I had, I was wondering if like I wouldn't like it as much and I did, I did enjoy it. I thought that the characters, I didn't realize the first time I read it just how self-involved Ponyboy was. Because you were also self-involved Because at the I time. was also very self-involved at the time, probably, but I enjoyed it. I liked that it was a different take of like a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that it very accurately, to my knowledge of concussion, did <laughs> portrayed an accurate concussion. concussion. Which is interesting for like the 60s when there was actually a lot less science on how that stuff worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I assume they knew the symptoms. Presumably, yeah. Presumably only for very serious concussions, though. Yeah, and but Ponyboy does get a serious concussion. Like, he, gets he gets kicked, kicked in, the in the head. Mm, I don't love that. But you know what? It's all part of the beautiful grand narrative. What happens to Cherry? Um, Cherry meets them. I didn't go into this. Cherry meets him before the before the fight and is like yo I'm conflicted about this whole situation because Bob was my boyfriend and whatever else he was he was a good guy as far as I'm concerned and I know that like things went down with you but he was my boyfriend and my boyfriend is now dead um but also like I feel really sad about the whole situation and basically Ponyboy is like, oh, she's a complex person. <laughs> oh, Ponyboy once again realizes that other human beings are human beings. Yeah, and I love because initially he's he's real pissed with her that he she won't go visit Johnny in the hospital, um, because she was kind of friends with him. But he did also kill her boyfriend. Yeah, and she's conflicted about the yeah. two things. Yeah. And in the end, Ponyboy is like, yeah, you can have multiple emotions about the one thing everything is in black and white and she's basically like good luck in the fight and goes away okay well that's all the questions i had really so will we wrap up yeah let's do a wrap up that was the outsiders by se hilton yeah and next time we will be doing shiver by maggie steve otter i'll be the one reading and yeah um follow us on twitter at forever ya pod if you want to keep up with when our episodes are out or if you want to suggest books to us or if you want to like give us feedback on the episode singular so far but please be gentle with us because this is our first episode and i was at the gym this morning kira was at the gym this morning it's a new year it's a new kira it's all practice the training wheels are on (laughs) folks Cool. So that was our first episode. Remember to stay young and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Forever Young Adults, a good podcast where we review books. Here is your wife, librarian, because where are the lesbians? They're here. And now I need to go to work.